You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snipson. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this time of year, we may have special events coming up like going to see our favorite band. And going to a concert, first up, there's usually the opening act, usually a lesser known artist getting their name out there before the headline act, the main gig. If you haven't heard of Sabrina Carpenter, either did I, she's opening for the Taylor Swift concert here in February. But I'm certain that for over 99.9% of those who will fill up the MCG twice over are the Swifties, desperate to see Taylor Swift the main gig. While the opening act builds the excitement in the crowds and people are coming to the concert for the main event. And today we continue our series in Luke 5 called New Beginnings, where we encounter the start of Jesus' earthly ministry. And today, as Jesus encounters this paralyzed man, we see the main gig of Jesus' ministry, which shows more of Jesus' identity and the priority of his ministry. So in Galilee, Jesus has been healing and teaching, and there's growing interest about this young prophet. 
and we encounter two key groups. Firstly, today we meet the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Uh, there's a US election this year and special interest groups are ramping up. For example, pro-life or environmental groups. And the Pharisees were like a special interest group. They had no formal power. They were separate from the institution, yet they had incredible influence. And those in power just couldn't ignore them. And their special interest was to strictly observe the law. And because this young teacher Jesus was healing and teaching these new things, any talk about the coming kingdom of God caused these Pharisees' radar to go right up. So they travelled from all over the country to hear this Jesus for themselves. And secondly, there's the excited crowds, right? The ordinary Jews, the poor, those that caught on that this Jesus was healing people and changing lives. So on this day, with both groups present, Jesus is in the house teaching and it was jam-packed. People were overflowing through the front door, all squeezing in to get a glimpse of uh, this new teacher, Jesus, and they're hanging off every word. And then these some men just turn up carrying a paralyzed man on a stretcher. I just want to say on top of all the limitations of being paralyzed in Jesus' day, being paralyzed was incredibly difficult. There's no NDIS, no disability benefits, no wheelchairs. They were completely dependent on the kindness of others to survive and to even eat. And there's also social stigma too. First century Jews assumed that if someone had a serious disability, they somehow deserved it. He must have done something terrible. But what we do know about this man is that he had supportive friends. And while they couldn't get him into the house past all these crowds in verse 19, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So they take him up on the roof. On his stretcher, the roofs had this outer layer of dried mud over branches, which were laid across the ceiling beams. So these guys had to dig through a layer of mud and branches to get their mate through. Just, just imagine being in the room, the clumps of mud falling on you as these guys make a massive hole in the ceiling to then lower their friend down. It's all very chaotic. Uh, the owners are probably not very impressed. But in verse 20, then Jesus saw their faith. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Have you noticed that sometimes when we speak about one thing, we're actually speaking about another thing? Talk about COVID is really talk about our thoughts on lockdown. Talk about the weather is really that we've run out of things to say. Well, Jesus claiming power to forgive sins here was a red button issue for the Pharisees. What it was really about was the expected Messiah who would come and forgive sins, which is a sign that God's kingdom had begun. So they're all suspicious of and shut down any kind of talk like this. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
Jesus forgiving sins of this paralyzed man was completely outrageous. It was blasphemy because Jesus' power to forgive sins is about Jesus' identity. These Pharisees were correct in believing that only God could forgive sins. Jesus forgiving this man was claiming to have God's power and authority and claiming to speak for God. It meant that Jesus was more than a miracle worker, but he can do what exclusively God alone can do. And the Pharisees right there, this was cat amongst the pigeons stuff. Jesus was undercutting the normal system of God's authority. See, usually God forgave sins was through the temple with the animal sacrifices, especially on one day, the Day of Atonement, where only after the high priest made atonement with a goat on behalf of the people could declare that God had forgiven their sins. And Jesus here, knowing exactly what they're thinking, asked them, which is easier. See, on the surface, it seems easier to say your sins are forgiven than to tell a paralyzed person to get up and walk. But Jesus highlights that forgiving sins is harder because what they're thinking, you need God's authority to forgive. If you hear someone say something pretty outrageous or controversial, we can think, did they actually say that? And if there's any doubt here in verse 24, Jesus doubles down again, calling himself now the son of man. See, in the Old Testament in Daniel 7, this speaks of a son of man figure, the awaited Messiah, who's coming in the clouds with God's power and authority to establish God's kingdom on earth. And Jesus was controversially saying, I'm this guy the one with God's power and authority to forgive sins. The Pharisees believed that God would never work through someone who lies or makes false claims. So Jesus then getting this paralyzed man to get up and walk meant God backs everything that Jesus is saying, backs up his power and authority to forgive sins. This is a massive mic drop about Jesus' identity. How could he do what only God alone can do? Well, Jesus' power to forgive sins is also about Jesus' priority. See, this paralyzed man descending into the room on a stretcher, well, his physical condition is clear for everyone to see. It was actually a bit confronting that Jesus doesn't even acknowledge or address his significant disability first up. Didn't he care? I understand that if you struggle with an illness or a, a disability, it can have a real toll day by day. It's, um, it's then easy to perceive that our physical ailments are our most pressing need of our lives. That the most life-changing thing would be to receive physical healing. Yet Jesus forgiving, then healing this man shows a clear order, a priority of Jesus' ministry. For this paralytic, unable to walk or be independent, his most pressing, his deepest need was spiritual at his heart. Being forgiven of sins was more urgent than his obvious crippling and physical needs in his life. But Jesus, full of compassion, having God's power and authority, forgives 
then heals this man. Often we gravitate to one aspect of Jesus' ministry, whether it's his wisdom, Jesus the profound teacher, or Jesus the advocate, defender of the poor, or Jesus the healer with power to heal and restore with like this man. And these are all important aspects of Jesus' ministry and they're emphasised in Luke. But what sometimes the crowds missed and what the Pharisees rejected was that forgiveness of sins is the main gig of his ministry, the main show of what Jesus came to do. Later in Luke 19, Jesus says that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. After Jesus rose again from the grave, he appeared to his disciples, sharing his mission to preach to the nations repentance and forgiveness of sins. Like this paralytic, our sin is the most urgent and serious and eternal issue in all of our lives. Sin is way worse than each of us think. Sin is the root of all the problems in our lives. It's the reason that great moments are tarnished. It's what causes our conflict and damages our relationships. And it's the cause of all our shame and guilt. And sin ultimately separates us from our Heavenly Father. Its presence and its power in our lives is is destructive. Yet thankfully... The main gig of Jesus' ministry was going to the cross to take our place. And because of Jesus' identity, having God's power and authority, his sacrifice could declare our sins forgiven. So coming to Jesus, he offers us this grace that's better than we could ever imagine. Look, those forgiven by Jesus will still sin. But with the spirit, we're set free from the all-consuming power of sin that controls our lives. And Jesus rising again, God backed up everything that Jesus said and did, offering you life that led this man to praise God in all. But we can't overlook Jesus' power to heal. Look to verses 24 and 25. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. While forgiveness of sins is Jesus' main gig in his ministry, his many powerful healings like this one was at least the opening act in Jesus' ministry, something that we shouldn't ignore or play down. Jesus forgiving this man's sin was an invitation to be part of God's better kingdom, an offer of healing and transformation. See, coming to Jesus, he doesn't leave us where we're at. Notice Luke's emphasis on the man's mat or stretcher, highlighting that once his legs didn't work, once his life was lived horizontally, but now he's up, vertical, walking and free. It's a dramatic transformation. Jesus' healing of this man shows that new life and his new identity and his physical restoration reflected a deeper spiritual one. See, Jesus doesn't want to leave us broken, but graciously offers us new life and healing, whether spiritually, emotionally, and like in this man's case, sometimes physically. I'm aware that the topic of healing is difficult. There's a lot on the line with it. 
Maybe you've tirelessly prayed or received prayer for healing and there's been no change. There's been silence. Maybe a loved one is no longer here despite having much faith. Like the paralytic coming before Jesus, we are guaranteed that Jesus will forgive our sins. Let's also have daring faith that Jesus still heals today, but we don't have the same guarantee of, a, of physical healing. We don't know why. It's not a lack of faith. God's ways are higher than ours. And while we approach the same God in Jesus, he healed people here in a very different world to ours. In the first century, treatment options for the sick were very limited and primitive. This was a world with no antibiotics, with no insulin. In some ways, Jesus healed so much because minor medical issues were life-threatening. And while we, we generally treat the medical and spiritual things separately, in Jesus' day, they were considered together. Both doctors and prophets like Jesus would be brought in when someone was seriously unwell. But the elephant in the room is that Jesus brings together this man's condition and the problem of sin. You know, look, look, we are all mortal. We get sick. We have ailments and our bodies don't work as they should. And overall, our bodies are subject to living in a fallen, sinful world. And like this man, some people experience cruel, devastating circumstances of sickness and are victims of suffering. And if being paralyzed wasn't bad enough, in the first world, the Jewish understanding of casting shame and attributing blame linked directly linking suffering to his sin was a lot. Yet in John 9, Jesus heals the man who's born blind, saying, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus warns not to automatically link sickness with sin. To do so can be spiritually abusive, it can be harmful. Yet, as we establish our rhythms for 2024 and make commitments and get really busy again, there's times, unlike this paralytic, that I know in my life that I've fallen unwell because I've lived unwisely. Instead of trusting God to be sovereign and come to Jesus to Him in dependence, I've pushed myself for too hard for too long. I haven't looked after myself. If you have conflict with others, sometimes the stress and feelings of guilt and can physically affect us and make us run down. Over drinking and overeating are harmful to our bodies and science tells us that our emotional and our spiritual lives and our physical bodies are interlinked. Look, we should never speculate about why other people are unwell, Overall, we live in a fallen world with fallen bodies and only God really knows us. And sickness can be really awful. It always is. But the times of being knocked out and unable to do everything like this paralytic, they can be opportunities to self-reflect. Are we living at a pace aware that we are weak, finite, made of dust? Do you see your need for sleep and regular rest and Sabbath? Needing the support of friends to survive like this man. Recognizing that we just can't do it all. 
And in these moments uh, full of compassion, Jesus invites us to come, offering his healing power and grace. In the Anglican prayer book, the service for the sick includes the prayer of confession and repentance, examining our hearts as we seek healing. Are there areas in our character that the Spirit is wanting to address or recalibrate and transform as we cast ourselves before Jesus? Like me, if you're focusing on wellness or fitness goals in 2024, it's a wise move. Yet if Jesus' main gig is forgiving sins, let's not overlook the urgency of our spiritual health this year, starting from the inside out. But like this man, let's also instinctively come to Jesus in faith, seeking healing from the one who restores our whole being. And if Jesus' answer to these prayers are silent or not yet, Let's keep coming before him, trusting in his continued grace. The Pharisees were there. They were all gathered, sceptically checking Jesus out to trip him up. They came there with closed hearts. They made quick judgments about Jesus. Their minds were made up before they saw him or heard him for themselves. If you're a sceptic, keep checking out Jesus. Rigorously test what Jesus says and does from the Gospels. But I encourage you to do so with an open mind over preconceived ideas. As we finish, Jesus seeks daring faith. Let's not overlook the faith of these friends bringing the paralytic before Jesus. This man was forgiven and healed because of the proactive faith of his friends. I think if I was the friend here, seeing the crowds, I'll be probably like, well, there's way too many people here to get you in. I'm sorry. Let's try again tomorrow. But Jesus commends this daring faith that does everything possible to bring their friend into Jesus' presence. More than intellectually observing Jesus at a distance, daring faith actively tries to get near Jesus. These friends weren't stopped by inconveniences or let setbacks become a missed opportunity. They were so sure that Jesus could heal their friend, they were daring and risky and took the personal cost of climbing up on that roof with their friend desperately to get him before Jesus. Reflecting on your faith journey or those Jesus might be calling you to make him known to, these friends show that the journey of coming to Jesus and receive forgiveness and new life is not always a straightforward or linear process. Sometimes daring faith can feel like more like a game of snakes and ladders, not Monopoly, where we have two steps up and then three steps down. There can be step backs, obstacles, detours. People might think you're just going way too far with the whole Jesus thing and there are spiritual forces wanting to stop you or that friend get close to Jesus. But like these friends, let's remain committed and doing everything to get near Jesus. In 2024, let's position our lives before him above sport and above other important things by committing to a service, a life group, and serving in some way. And like the paralytic's friends, let's do everything possible to get our friends near Jesus, 
Firstly, by taking him seriously in our lives and reflecting his character in our lives. But also in April, we're running an art expo called Together, an outreach to artists in our community, celebrating our creator of all that is beautiful. Who could you invite to display their art? After Easter, we'll be running Alpha or a marriage course for those who don't normally come to church. Who in your life could benefit? But if this daring faith that brings friends through the roof seems all too much of an ask for you right now, all Jesus needs is the smallest faith, the faith of a mustard seed. And then by his power and authority, he'll do the rest. This daring faith of these friends that does everything to get near Jesus ultimately comes from a humility realizing our desperate need for him. Awareness that I can't do it. My sin is too great. Yet knowing Jesus' main gig, who forgives us and sets us free from the power of sin and shame that diminishes our lives, knowing Jesus' identity, his power and authority that offers transformation and healing and new life every day, Jesus says, draw to me, come. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. 